Coucou tout le monde, you're listening to Le Bookworms Pod. I'm Helen. And I'm Miranda. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. One book at a time. La forme de son livre ne peut donc surgir que d'une immersion dans les images de sa mémoire pour détailler les signes spécifiques de l'époque, l'année, plus ou moins certaine, dans laquelle elle se situe. Les raccordés de proche en proche à des autres sont enforcés de réétendre les paroles des gens, les commentaires sur les événements et les objets, prélevés dans la masse de discours flottants, cette rumeur qui apporte sans relâche des formulations incessantes de ce que nous sommes et devons être, penser, croire, craindre, espérer. Salut Miranda, ça va? Salut! Ça va bien, toi? Ça va, ça va. J'ai hâte de parler de ce livre aujourd'hui. It's something that I've really wanted to, to talk about for a while, actually. Annie Arnault is such a feminist icon that... I was surprised I, one, had not heard of her during my studies, and then two, had never read her. Because I feel like we went through a pretty strong feminist read for a couple months back, honestly, a couple years ago. And how did I not get any or no, you know? Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this with you because I don't know that it has necessarily come across the pond in terms of its relevance but once I finished it I like was feverishly researching and it's a huge deal right now like right Absolutely. now but also Annie Arno is just this not larger than life but for sure like an incredibly large figure and then you always get humbled of like how did I not know this person existed Absolutely. what a cultural imprint <laughs> yeah not to give too much away but It was slightly hard to get into this book, and I got a little nervous that I made the plunge and bought her entire life's work. Uh, so I have to say I'm now happy that I have it because I will be reading them. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I honestly think I'm a little bit jealous. So let's not let's not get into it like right away. Let's let's start because this book. I think that my my immediacy of reading this book was how am I going to tell people what I'm reading? Yeah. And what I kept saying was, I'm reading a French book called The Years, and it won the Nobel Prize. And that is about all I gave people. And then they would just sort of go, oh, do you like it? And then I was like, great question. I'll get back to you. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'll get back to you. That's a great way to say it. But before we dive in, what are you drinking today for our discussion? Oh, I am drinking a chai tea with lots of sugar because my throat is quite <laughs> uh, scratchy. I've had a little bit of a cold, oh, no. so chai tea. What about you? I have a nice ginger kombucha, so feeling Ooh, same. Just needed a I've little bit of... I've been on the kombuchas of... lately. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, well, let's go right back in. No time to waste today with Annie Arnault. Starting where you left off of basically, she did win a Nobel Prize in 2022, For, for this work and all of her other works, as the Nobel Prize often encompasses larger parts. So yeah. she was technically awarded it for the courage and clinical acuity for which she uncovers the roots, estrangements, and collective restraints of personal memory. Uh, so what do you think of that? Like, what do you agree with the Nobel Committee? Well, I, I don't read enough to be able to agree or disagree or suggest anyone else, but I think that that's totally enca encapsulating of this book. 
like that is absolutely what we're talking about today is memory and uh, the collective versus the personal for sure. All of that is all wrapped up in this book. So I, I, I mean, yeah, like that, that makes sense. That scans for me. And what I would say is I can imagine that if you are a type of person who like is very bit more into literature than I always am, like this book would hit pretty hard because it, it, it did eventually, spoiler, like I really enjoyed it Same. once I finished it. But we'll get into that. Do you think that you could give us a summary that's better than it won the Nobel Prize and <laughs> is called The Years? Yes, I can try. So uh, like we said, the, it's called The Years. It was published in 2008. In French, it is the title Les Années. So Les Années reflects on the passing of time and the evolution of society through a cultural narrative rather than a uniquely personal storyline. The author... Annie Arnaud, captures the nostalgic feelings we all have as we realize how quickly time passes, whether this is the transition from childhood to adolescence to adulthoods to dreams unrealized, and then finding a, a second life afterwards. It also covers at the same time these huge societal transformations and transitions, starting from post-war Europe takes us through the Cold War, through flower power, through societal unrest and revolution in some ways, all the way to the introduction of technology and how that transformed our entire society and the way we interact with others. So the book for me was meant to be a contemplative journey filled with fleeting memories. And the writing style reflects that because memories are hard to grasp. So some were very clear and precise, while others were just glimpses of the past and not fully there. Yeah. Yeah. And and when we say like it spans time, it's literally 1940, like it's direct, like 1940, I want to say post-war. Actually, I think there was some stuff in the war because they talked about the internment camps and missing people. So I'd say early 1940s to early 2000s. Yeah, I agree. And and so it, it spans this huge like time from the 40s until 2008. And it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 an incredible like chronicle mm-hmm. of that time. Do you maybe want to like maybe we should just bite the bullet and explain the form of the yeah. novel because it or it is just so different and I think it was one of the things that prevented me from enjoying this until about probably halfway through. Yeah, I I would agree it was a harder one to get into because there are no chapters. Uh, so this is not unique right. to her. We've seen this before in Proust and other uh, French authors that. They have these like paragraph breaks where it's almost just double spaced, but there's no stopping and starting point. So for me, I have a hard time enjoying that because I like ending on the chapter. I like putting my bookmark in. I like knowing where I am. And when you have these kind of continuous narratives, you can easily get lost or forget what's happening when you put it down and pick it up again. I don't know if you had that impression. (laughs) No, completely. I had no idea where to stop. I I didn't want to read 250 pages, 270 pages in French in a a single sitting. Um, And I don't think that's a reasonable request for most people. Yeah, there's no there's no clear stopping point. You have no idea how one idea is going to relate to the next because it's not a story. There's no plot. (laughs) And now when we were (laughs) when we were like trying to get through this um one of the things you said is like you were like it's just Mm -hmm. headlines it's just the it's just the stuff that's going on 
And that is a good explanation. It's just things yeah. that are happening. You know, with respect, obviously, to Erno, it's beautifully written. Like, it's an extremely beautiful exploration of those things. But if we can get into the theme of the passage of time, at the beginning, when she is young, it is, um, it, it, like, they're just glimpses. They're really, they're almost yeah. nothing. Like, these memories are just not fully formed. They're not all that... They're not even all that compelling sometimes. Like, sometimes they're just random and you're not really sure what they but are. But I feel like that's what is so beautiful at the end is realizing just like all of us, when we think back to when we're four or five, those memories are fragmented. We lose the the clarity. Yes. And that was what was so beautiful. It, it sharpens because just like memory, we can remember what we did two years ago, but... Yeah, I have glimpses of feelings that I had when I was five and I can create a story around that, but that's all I yes. got, you know, and that was so well represented. Yes. And so like the, yeah, the expression of how those memories are when you're young is so accurate. Like it's so beautiful and it's really well done, but the act of reading mm, yeah. it for the first time is very odd because you just have no idea what's happening. And, um, yeah, you just kind of get thrown in Absolutely. to things that seemingly have no connection. sort of connection. Yeah, and maybe this is where we can get into one of the other themes that we have, which is like about the individual versus the collective. Because you're when you're a kid, you're not necessarily seeing the world as this mm-hmm. global big entity that like, you know, you were one tiny part of you're very Mm -hmm. selfish as children like you you center yourself in all things and so there are these things in the beginning that are just so disjointed so unclear and even some of the sort of headlines that you get about context for what's going on in the world are not always the best like they're not always the best but it's like a child repeating what their parents have told them or what they hear on the radio or the tv that's it's like the parakeet but I also thought it was interesting because uh, I remember telling you I, at some point I was slightly ahead of you and I said, oh, don't worry. I found the plot. There's a plot happening. And I think it's kind of connected to what you <laughs> said of the memories of childhood were more self-centered. And so for a little bit, for like 10 pages, yeah. I was like, here we are. There's a young girl. We're going to get her story. And then quickly, you know, as she grows up, like you said, it turns more collective. But it, that was such an interesting shift to realize later because I was like I remember texting be like yeah. never mind it's gone like it's it's not there anymore <laughs> but I would say I accidentally lost my place in the book and since there are no chapters I could not find where I was uh, so I wound up restarting the book and rereading the first 80 pages and it really helped because like you're saying you the first time you enter this book you're you're just thrown in and you're kind of confused and when I went back I was like oh that's where I kind of had the insight of these are headlines or these are glimpses. And then I was not looking for the plot because I knew it wasn't coming. And so I felt like my space and my energy yeah. around the book was more open to, oh, okay, let me just focus on what is exactly in front of me and stop looking for what I thought this book was going to be. Yeah. Okay. I'm, my <laughs> mind is going in so many different directions. I don't know which theme we should look at next, but the, that just what you just said reminded me of our dear beloved Proust. So this book is all about, like, it is, it is all entangled in Proust. And it's not just because we're sick with reading Proust that we see him everywhere. This is like, this is so entangled. But what you're saying is exactly how 
I feel like we're supposed to be reading Proust and yeah. we fail to every time is like we're just supposed to see the moments and not care about the plot that much. And we always fail at that because like every other book mm-hmm. has plot, you know? And so <laughs> this book is similar in the way that like I think when I gave up on there being a plot and I just was like, oh, we'll just I'll just read. I'll just I'll just read these lovely moments. She'll talk about how Walkman's, you know, like penetrate your body and the music of the of your soul and your body. Like it it was so beautifully written and then I was like, but there's no I'm not waiting for the mm-hmm. other shoe to drop. There's never going to be a story. It's fine. I really started to enjoy it a lot more <laughs> when I just gave up oh, absolutely. on the idea of yeah, a plot. I agree. I I fought with this book. And that's an interesting point. I hadn't realized maybe <laughs> how much I fight with Proust. You know, if I listen to us talk about it, I'm Mm. sure everyone else is like, how do you not get that? Uh, But you're right. There needs to be a letting go of just really immersing yourself in it. To make a a Harry Potter reference, I felt like we were going into a pensieve and like seeing someone else's memory. But there's, you know, the it's kind of fuzzy. You can't quite hear everything. You're not quite sure why you're here, what you're seeing. And that was kind of the experience of the whole book uh, for me. But you're right. Yeah. It's, there's no reason to fight or try to hear or try to squint to see clear because it's not going to happen. You just need to sit with it and see what you can see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you just kind of take the moments. I think the other thing about this Okay, I'm sorry, I keep going back and forth. But like, this idea of like, collective versus uh, personal is that like, inherently, the events that happen to the world impact us personally. But equally, like, we are such important parts of the world, even though we feel like we're not, we have no impact, We, we do. And the things that happen in the world can have such outsized impacts on you. Like when I think about like major world events, there are there they are innately colored by like my my mm-hmm. connection to them personally. And so sometimes I can say sure, like there are big moments that have happened during my life, like the, you know, like the uh, fire of Notre Dame or something, but like there are other moments where like 9-11 is distinctly personal for me because my family's mm-hmm. from New York. And so it was the first time that I really understood, like, war and violence in our time. And my only other cultural understanding of war had been World War II and World War One. that and we were so about distant in and impersonal. And, and so, yeah, and, and so, well, it was also that, like, I imagined that that was the war we would be fighting when my parents said we're going to war or America's going to war because of 9-11. I was imagining that my grandmother's house would be like a war zone. I was imagining that like the front lines would be in Tribeca, you know? And so these cultural moments are just innately like connected to your personal view and other people may not have seen it through that lens obviously and also 9-11 happened when I was six (laughs) so you're proving the point we just talked about of how this big societal collective event is so different so if we read you know if you wrote the years the way you would have described 9-11 was would be very different and it would be like that as an American reading this book it was really interesting seeing how she described 9-11 as a French woman from the collective French perspective, because yeah. she was even saying there's a before and after. This was a global event, even though it happened to one yeah. country. Yeah. And she goes into the consequences yeah. of that 
for France. And that was an interesting flip of the coin because yeah. it was such a big event and it it directly impacted my childhood but my entire life because the American society changed. Our way of thinking changed uh, after 9-11. So that was really fascinating to get a glimpse of uh, a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought she weaved sort of the personal and the collective so interestingly. So we should just talk about language for a minute. Like she, in French, she used like collective language either by using on the pronoun or, or the, which means the subject. We. Which means like an informal we. Or she would use new, uh, which is of course we in the first person plural. And she never used je, never first person really. Like she, she didn't really use she I. Didn't really she use would je. also say she. She would use third person. And I agree, the yes. the actual yeah. writing style pushes you away. Again, that was me trying to find a narrative, trying to find a protagonist. And she doesn't want us to because that's kind of her point is no. we are part of a collective. We are not living in a vacuum. And that, yeah. that language and noticing that was a huge shift. To be honest, I didn't notice until she literally told me at the end. And then I went back and I was like, by golly, she's right. She is right. There is not an eye. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it was super interesting. I really enjoyed it. I okay, I really enjoyed yeah. it at the end. <laughs> like the the I think the enjoyment for this book comes upon the reflection. I think if we were if we if we fought Proust less, if we were more Proustian readers, maybe we would have enjoyed it more like in it, but I definitely felt like I reflected on it at the end and was like, yeah, that was a super interesting book. That was a really interesting way to present history and memory and and society as well. Like this, the whole collectivist thing. I mean, we have to reference that France is a quite an interesting and unique mm-hmm. cultural country. And every country is shaped by sort of its cultural moments and big events. But I find France to be especially collectivist. And I don't know that there's there's an interesting thing there when we think about France as sort of like it's a nation and, and what it goes through as mm-hmm. one. I don't know. Like, I find Canada to be a bit more of like we're new and we don't always have the same views on things. And what we experience is not always like it doesn't always feel collective. Right. Like, I don't know that there are these moments that are collective. What did you think about like the cultural moments that she had like smattered throughout like the whole thing is cultural moments it's just her talking about like the world and the events how did you feel reading it as someone who's lived in france for you know more but the better part of a decade that's crazy to think about uh but true uh so (laughs) yeah i think you're touching on something very interesting and that is making me think of some of my coursework during my master's programs of we study cultural differences and how societies are different. And I would say France is more of a collective, bureaucratic, hierarchical society. There is chains and there are systems in place. Whereas in North America, I'll speak from the US perspective, but you just said from the Canadian perspective as well, there's a lot more individuality Mm. I remember being in school with posters yeah. of like pencils and then there was one, you know, colored pencil going the opposite way. And they're like, be unique, be you. Like, that's what we're taught. And in France, they're yeah. like, like their schools are the opposite. We are going to memorize and 
recite the exact same things across the entire France realm Mm -hmm. at exactly 10 a.m. Like there is no individuality. So I think that's something that gets picked up in the book of the we, the collective feelings. And I do think some of these large events that are referenced, she did really hit the nail on the head of how people still talk about these now. You know, people still talk about 68 and everyone knows that 68 is going to be the student protest that students were throwing bricks off the street of Paris. You know, 68 was a very big year for the world in general for a lot of civil unrest. But in France, if you say 68, that's what they're going to think about. They're not going to maybe hit on some of the political assassinations and Mm -hmm. shifts, we'll say, politically happening around the world. So that was interesting. Because I think as North Americans, we inherently think of the civil rights movement, for sure. Civil rights. And then you have, you know, the coup d'etats that are also happening and the political upheaval. But you also have a lot of these snippets that are very much part of the French psyche. So I think that's something that's been hard for me as an outsider integrating into France is my lack of historical or cultural knowledge and depth. So I Mm. think you're going to have, you know, even if kids, kids are in their thirties, you know, (laughs) Annie Arnaud is, is someone that was born in the 1940s. So she's from an older generation. Mm So the older generations obviously going to get all these references, but even younger generations are still going to know most of these things that are passed down. So I think that's something I've really focused on is watching the films that were referenced, reading the books that were referenced, mm. knowing the presidents. You know, she really goes into each president and what their election symbolized, how they got there. And there are still people that refer to like a presidential debate with Mitterrand and and the things that happened. And you're like, you weren't even born. Like, how do you know this joke? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and to go back to your bureaucratic explanation of France, right? Like, there's also just a different administration of things mm-hmm. in a country the size of France and a country the size of Canada or the United right. States. And so there's a lot of huge differences between, like, Vancouver and Ottawa that while there are massive cultural differences, obviously, between, like, Paris and Bordeaux, there are still, like, we're talking about you know, something that is probably affecting the entire country usually and not not always as, like, segregated as yeah. some sort of experiences can be. Well, a federal state is going to change everything. Right. Like, there are massive differences by, by region, but I just mean it, it's a different approach than, like, the states' rights kind of stuff that you have in the United States where things can be so wildly differently experienced and administered mm-hmm. uh, across the country. Coming back to... All of these points that we're bringing up is as I read this book, I thought it would be very difficult for someone on the outside that does not have a baseline understanding of France and its culture or history. Yeah. I enjoyed it because I realized I knew a lot. You know, some of it I didn't get, but most of them I was like, that's a conversation we had at Christmas. That's a conversation we had two years ago. And and I learned and I made a, you know, a mental note uh, so that was kind of interesting to see. And it does help that my in-laws are around the same generation. So I could also see in their history of, you know, their memories yeah. of post-war Paris or their memories of being students in the 60s, their memories from, you know, the 90s. And that was helpful just yeah. from my personal interactions. And I think 
I think it would be hard. So interesting that the the Nobel Committee picked such a niche book because it's so well done and I understand why they would award it for what they awarded her for. But I don't know if it can be as appreciated as from outsiders. What do you think? So I definitely know that there were um, callbacks that I did not understand, like, or that I that went over my head, but I don't think it distracted from, like, the overall premise of the book. Mm-hmm. And this is where I just want to, like, take us into a different direction because I wonder if, you know, the other part of this is that, as we said, Annie Arnaud is quite the feminist. And although that this, this book is, you know, like, just entire, it's, it's really, like, it's a, it's her memoir sort of, it's been called a hybrid memoir. Like that's the okay. use. I think that's yeah. fair, but it's still a novel. Yeah, like I, I, I see that, and it's sort of the collective memory both of her and of France. But I think that the book itself. I'm just gonna say it, and we're just gonna, you know, go move forward. I feel like the book itself might be. It's like a political act in trying hmm. to express that there that we experience life collectively. That like there is a collective impact and consequence to not only our actions but the the sort of the things that we see on the news kind of thing that that we're all actually in it together in some way like I think that, that she might actually be putting forward not just a feeling that is experienced but a like I don't know like a an idea of how we should see memory that's really interesting one of the memories that stood out to me in the book was her discussing women's rights and the evolution. So Mm -hmm. it slowly builds of girls wearing pants uh, instead of skirts, girls and boys uh, eventually going to the same schools because it used to be separated in France. And then she brought up to, well, girls have sexual desire. And that was such a crazy phenomenon. And then the next stop was they really want contraceptives. And there was that push and then contraceptions leads to legalizing abortion. And that's done through people like Simone de Beauvoir and Gisèle Halimi, who was the lawyer that fought the case in France. And she mentions the moment where 300 plus women signed a statement saying we have all had illegal abortions and they were important women. So I think it's that that mix of she slowly builds of it almost seems personal, right? Like she's like, going through puberty, discovering that she wants to be touched, you know, kind of like any kind of coming of age story you get. And then boom, there's a historical reference to, like you said, something that happened collectively in the press. It was a group effort. And then it was a public statement. And what that public statement then did, how that pushed forward the agenda, how that brought from the shadows to the public discussion, Mm -hmm. a very important topic. So I think several times throughout the book, we get that. We get this all of a sudden, it's not all of a sudden this happens. It's there are changes in the way society thinks or perceives certain experiences or acts. And then all of a sudden we we get there, but it's 30 years in the making of without transitioning yeah. from skirts to pants, <clears throat> would we have gotten to legalizing abortion? And then now in France, it's actually part of, they've made it constitutional because of what happened in the U.S., which goes to your point of collective experiences. They saw what happened in a different country and said, not in ours. Yeah. And and the book as well, like we said it when we started, but the book 
spans just so much time mm-hmm. that by the end you do get a like even us as you know 20 somethings sort of have a moment of like wow how much has the world changed this is incredible like yeah. what what has one life gone through and seen just so much change i mean when she grows up she's in sort of a working class working class france and by the end it's this she's describing such a consumerist society yeah. and shaped by technology and and much more globalist than it used to be. And so, like, it's just a really interesting, like, exploration of what has changed over the years. Yeah, absolutely. But that's what I loved about it was nothing just arrived. I, I guess maybe the only thing that really popped up was the, the internet. Yes. Like, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> and there was the internet. Uh, <laughs> which, to be fair, yes, that, that can happen. But that's what I really enjoyed was it was a slow burn throughout the whole book and then when you get to the end you're like this all builds together and it's one of those things where as young readers you know we're still considered (laughs) youth for most data demographics so as youth (laughs) there was an excitement when we got to the point where I knew I was like yes we're in the early 2000s I remember this and it was that realization of I don't think our times are all that exciting compared to other things and then all of a sudden you realize holy cow they are like her story from the 1940s to 2008 what will our lazani be from the 1990s to whatever and when you actually write it down and you look at these there is a story that emerges where when you're living in the moment you don't see this this cultural collective arc and that was so yeah i think about that all the time you see just how many events like shape the world and you can almost there are moments where you're like is this the one or is this not like is this the thing Mm -hmm. like I remember where I was when Russia invaded uh in 2014 Uh, yeah and now I'm you know we're living through the Russia-Ukraine war which is such you know that's one of those moments where you're like yeah this is history like I know that this will be written about this is one of those moments where we all are living through something that, you know, will be in a book. But again, like, that will be colored by my experience, which wasn't my experience when I was in university and I heard that Crimea was this, you know, area that was being invaded. So there's a different, there's a different mm-hmm. tinge to it every time because it's it's uh, refracted by your own experience. I just felt like she was kind of calling us to see ourselves more in the world and in what's going on. Because the thing that's a little bit unsaid in the book is, like, she has a huge impact on the culture as well. And she's so, like, she's talking about culture in, in the world, but then this book is part of that now, that, that zeitgeist as well, right? And so right. we all have a place or a piece of, I don't know, of culture. I just kept feeling like she was calling us to see ourselves more as, like, a part of the whole. But maybe that's also just, like the american or the like north american outside perspective but isn't that a beautiful call because i think we're living in a crisis of loneliness and it has been even pre-covid this was a discussion that countries were dealing with like i remember when i was in the uk 2018 2019 they were starting programs for senior citizens that lived alone to have people come and deliver lunch and sit and eat with them they've opened grocery store lines that are slow and not there to move people through but they realized a lot of times you know old people would hold up the lines because this was their only social interaction of the day and they just wanted to feel good and I've seen that in France when you go to the boulangerie there are people where you can tell 
they are really happy to get their bread, but also have mm-hmm. a conversation. And so I think that's something that's changed with the introduction of technology that you can feel like you're getting social interaction yeah. via your telephone, but it's not the same. And so I think that's an interesting way to fight yeah. that loneliness of our society has transitioned of we've become so individual of we're living in our own little bubbles or worlds and even on online everything's tailored to us now like the algorithms purposely give us what we want to see whether that's good or bad there's something to it of feeling disconnected from the larger picture and that leading to isolation loneliness and I think also anxiety of you think you're the only one with this problem and the reality is you're not but you have no interaction. Uh, and you know, even like she directly references it because she talks a lot about like philosophy in the book as well, um, you know, because of de Beauvoir and South and others. But um, it, it basically she talks about how Kant has been telling us that we all need to be good people, you know, and, and how much we need to do good in the world. And then Simone de Beauvoir and South come along and tell us like there's no need <laughs> that we'll never we'll never you know, there's there's no point. Um, and so it, it's just interesting the fighting against that nihilism, I guess, or or just trying to see it through different lenses that everybody's struggling with that. That like as you struggle with it, yeah. so do these great philosophers, you know. Yeah, I also thought it was really sad. Honestly, mm-hmm. it made me sad reading some of these passages when she talks about these people. And how quickly their light mm. comes and goes and just the fleetingness of humanity. And it's a bit morbid, but there was a sense of time is so precious yeah. and so fast. And you blink, you know, you blink. It's been 10 pages and we've gone 20 years. And that's it was one of those things where she mentioned like Camus and how quickly he came and went of like he had such an important moment, but then he had an yeah. accident and he's gone. Yeah, it it evoked like sad emotions in me because I just felt this strong sense of nostalgia reading all of these things. And like, I love Camus or I really have embraced De De Beauvoir. Like since we've read her work, I just have become such a fangirl of her. And it's one of those sad things of like, wow, these like these lights, these people, like you said, these individuals are pushing society forward. And again, she also introduces some people that I disagree with. So we're talking about the people we liked and resonated with, but she also talks about the introduction of like family, like mm-hmm. the Lapin family. And they also push the narrative forward, but maybe not in a way I would want the narrative course, to be yeah. pushed forward. Uh, so it was interesting to see, like you said, just how individuals do have power, but they're not, they're not alone. Yeah. You know, like de Beauvoir wasn't alone. There was a group, you know, you have Boris Dan, you have, you have Sartre, you have Camus. Like these are people that are thinking collectively yeah. together, brainstorming, discussing. Yeah, the book was just so good. Like I feel like I'm not very succinct today because this is so hard to put into words because these are all memories. Like we're yeah. grasping at things because that's all we have in this book. Like I'm even putting my own knowledge and memory to some of these memories, right? Like we're referring to one sentence and I've added a paragraph because yeah. I know about this no, person, right? And that's, I felt like, I was totally the whole book. I totally agree. <laughs> and I think that, I think that, that we do this a lot, actually. And again, coming back to our dearest Proust, I, I think that, like, when we talk about stuff, we discover more depth and, and um, richness to it. And this is way better than Proust, so don't yeah. think that, like, like uh, ooh, that was controversial. Ooh. But Whoa, um, hot take. <laughs> hot take. This was a lot 
easier than Proust, and it's definitely immediately gratifying <laughs> than Proust, but I enjoyed it a lot. Well, let's explore that. I think we should explore that. Okay, so here is my perspective as a runner. Proust is an ultra marathon. It is not just a marathon. <laughs> he is like the 100 kilometer ultra marathon. Annie Arnaud is a nice 10K race because this book, like mine was 100, 115 pages, but like very compact. Yours I think it was, was like, like 250, what, yeah. 250, 280. Manageable, right? Like Proust is 2,400 yeah. pages. A quarter like million manageable. words. So I think that's the difference right there. Will you eventually get the runners high for both? Absolutely. But after the race, right? Like a 10K is kind of a sprint. You're kind of in pain. But afterwards, you're like, wow, that was great. I can do that again. Proust, you're like, I did it. I'm good. But you're still going to have the like runner's high of, I feel like I got something out of this experience. Whether it's the training or the building, like you're going to be proud of yourself Love for this getting through. Example, like this way of thinking about it. Like I think that's great. As someone who's never run a marathon or even run 5K, I love this. And it's making me reflect on the way that I like things. I was just saying to someone yeah. that like I am like part of the fun for me is the process. Like part of what I enjoy is the journey. I am definitely mm-hmm. like I'm a goal oriented person, but I cannot convince myself to do things I hate on a regular basis if I if I'm not having a good time. Like I I just I have a really hard time with that. Part of the joy is the journey. Yeah, you're making me realize why like I struggle so much with these <laughs> because like if I don't know, either if I I think it's also with Proust and with Annie it can be hard because you don't know what your goal is. Like, you're not really sure where you're getting, right? Mm-hmm. And so it would have ruined it to know up front the sort of end of uh, Les Années. Like, I think it would have been – it would have ruined it a bit. But really? I also think that, like – I think so because it was just so <laughs> – like, the ending was so, like, oh, I get it. Okay, uh, this is great. And then it just made me reflect so yeah. much after the book. There have been a couple books last year that made me do the same. But in general, I want to like the book when I'm reading it. Like, it's hard to not mm-hmm. really know what's going on until after. Well, just just picture yourself on that track <laughs> and doing those laps to get – to get to your goal. I, yeah, you know? <laughs> I find that really interesting. Yeah, the other thing I liked as well was we're not inventing the fact that Proust is all over this book. Like oh, she no, references it's Proust explicitly multiple times. It comes up quite a bit. And also she references A la recherche de temps perdu, In Search of Lost Time. And I have to say, I absolutely loved it because she talks about it earlier and it was kind of nostalgic or literary yeah. and that kind of stuff. And then towards the end, she's like, well, now. In Search of Lost Time is all done on the web. Everyone's losing time searching the web endlessly. And I was like, that is the most brilliant, beautiful Mm. way to modernize this idea. I love that. Oh, that's beautiful. I will say, though, that the thing that we have struggled with and we've talked about with Proust is that it's a a window into emotions and characters, but a very specific and privileged world. And so it's not... It's not collectivist in this way at all. Like, it, it sort of is in the way that he well, tries to make it. It is but it's within not. a small community, right? Like it is in the sense that like all these yeah. different people are just trying to go through life and failing in their own unique ways. And so we're all part of that 
collectivist like emotion and like feelings but it but it's still like people who don't really have problems right people who are like in a decent realm and so les années is not like that i mean they talk about the algerian war like they talk like these are not the high points or even just like even just the political things even just the entertainment things like it's it's all right and so i think Mm -hmm. it does a better job of encapsulating all the different ways that the world is impacted and less just this thing that happened to our six friends. (laughs) In some ways, I think she acknowledges her privilege by making sure that the collective narrative is the Mm -hmm. collective narrative, not a white French woman of a certain background, right? Like she brings in the political glass. She brings in the literati and all of these philosophers, but she also highlights very critical things that are happening. So you mentioned the Algerian war. She's talking in the early 1990s and the early 2000s and still a a huge issue today is the violence and the conflict between the suburbs Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of diverse populations tends to be poor working class immigrant communities who are French, and yet they are seen outside of the French narrative. And she calls that out in her book. She says, why why are they not French? They are French. They are born here, they're yeah. raised here, their families are here, and yet they're excluded from this collective narrative. But by putting those words in that voice, she brought them in to the collective narrative yeah. of her story. So I thought that was really beautiful of how she widened it and then pointed out where people are lacking or like what society is not seeing. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I would love to hear if there are critiques sort of like of the Les because it's just so hard. Like, how do you write a collectivist history that still feels true for most people, right? I would say there are definitely critiques of this book because she still is quite on like the left mm-hmm. side of the spectrum. She's definitely more sure. liberal. I'm sure conservatives don't have the same vision of these collective mm-hmm. memories that she does. So I think that's probably... I guess this is where she gets a little cover through the sort of hybrid memoir thing is like it's her memories, right? So it's yeah. her version of the events, mm-hmm. but interesting for sure. Yeah, because I definitely think the the more progressive ideas are the ones that get the most attention compared to some of the others. You know, Le Pen was mentioned briefly, but not necessarily in the best light. And then also, yes, briefly, not given a lot of space, which is, I think, a good way to approach things of it does exist and you can't ignore it. We've talked a lot about that. If you can't ignore the bad just to ignore it, but you also don't have to give them space because by giving them more space, you're you're giving them credibility. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, well, let's wrap this up because I feel like we could go on all day. I have one question for you. Is this the modern feminist à la recherche de temps perdu? Is she the modern Proust? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly that it's a lot more than Proust. So I th- like I think that there's there's more here than just her attempt at at sort of capturing his style or it's not a love letter to Proust. It's not a try it's not trying to be that. No. The links are there through- throughout and so in that way I think like yes, like this is a beautiful mm-hmm. new version of that, but it is not solely that. So don't feel that if you hate Proust, that this is going to be a version of that. Like, I think that there are similarities that you will dislike, like not knowing what's going on or 
not having a plot to follow necessarily. I, I see hers as just so much better <laughs> than like in a societal way. Like it just, it just encapsulates so much more than what Proust does. And I feel like Proust is so character driven and so about like people. And this is so much about like life and events and how the world is shaped. And it's not about like mm -hmm. necessarily like individuals and how they experience individual things. It's about how the world is shaped by people and how people are shaped by the world. Very well said. What do you think? Do you think that this is the modern feminist à la rechange de temps perdu? I think the the idea is there in terms of capturing time and capturing how quickly time goes. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. it's so fleeting and memories are so hard to capture. So I feel like what she's doing here is is better, like you said. It is more collective. It is more open to other people compared to Proust's very narrow narrative. I really enjoyed, like you said, this approach where she intertwines her personal stories with the historical and cultural and societal mm -hmm. transformations. So, I mean, she really covers it all. I also found her to be much more yeah. contemplative. Like you're saying, Proust is very much character driven and it is more of a story per yeah. se. Like well, there is a protagonist that we're following, whereas this is a contemplative journey and it really dives headfirst into the complexities of life, of memory, of identity, of how all of us have to deal with time mm. moving forward, whether we like it or not, and our our own mortality. Like I it's not talked yeah. about a lot, but like I was mentioning earlier of just people come and go and how quickly, you know, in this span you know, de Gaulle yeah. is there and he's so important and then de Gaulle is gone. Or, you know, all of these people that are so pivotal will yes. one day be gone, just like us. And so there's that that feeling that we all have to face, right, of time marches forward, whether we're ready or not, whether we want it to or not, in yeah. a good or bad way. You want to, you know, stay in your happy bubble uh, when something exciting happens in your life. And then sometimes you are so yeah. saddened by something that you can't imagine going forward without. Yeah. But we we have to. So I thought she just did it so beautifully of capturing more. So definitely better than Proust. But there is something to it of the idea of chronicling, yeah. right? The chronicling time and the human yeah. experience. Yeah, and maybe we should, like, we've already talked so much about the book and our own reflections on it but like it makes me think of our podcast and this experience which we started in part because of the pandemic and loneliness and not knowing what to do with our time wanting to connect wanting to spend time with each other wanting to explore different ideas and now it's just become this incredible like I don't know like ritual for us to hold space with each other and and with ideas and books and themes and I don't know I'm getting very very reflective on that it's really beautiful and I, I know there there are moments in every part of your life I think that you realize that it's like kind of becoming a memory when you're doing it and I definitely feel that way about this this episode but also just this whole experience Aww. with you I that's so beautiful <laughs> It is cool because we, we did it for us. And so in some ways it can feel like, yeah, it's both fleeting, but also like so foundational. I don't know. 
It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Ah. I, I feel like you did a implicit shout out to Argo Vanessa with the rituals. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, it is. I <laughs> Sacredness of literature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe I did. Anyway. I love it. I love it, though, because uh, she's great. So. Vanessa Zoltan for anybody not following our obsession. Yes. Uh, well, I think this is a great place to yeah. sign off. We hope you guys pick up Annie Arno. I really yes. do recommend it. And keep picking her up. Uh, don't give up. I think that's our biggest takeaway was keep pushing because it's really yeah. worth it in the end. Yeah, absolutely. It, this was a great book. I feel now. And if you had asked me three days ago, I would have said, please don't make me read this book. Well, at the end, so...